are listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, Bass Edge Nation? Episode 334, August 15th. Hope you've been enjoying the last several episodes, man. Aaron, I feel like we've really been bringing the goods. Uh, we have. You have done a great job, Kurt. Uh, and I'm going to give you credit where credit is due of producing our guests and the shows and everything else uh, recently. But it's it's been one episode right after the other. And, uh, you know, I, I love going back and listening to them because there's so many things that I learn, even though we're on the air with them and, and talking. It's just like today with our next guest. But uh, right now, Kurt, i got to be honest with you, I, I'm kind of uh, uh, excited. Because I just got my shipment of uh, Megaware stuff in. Of course, as you know, I'm, I mentioned last episode, I'm anxiously awaiting the uh, the new Z21, but right. been messing around a little bit with uh, getting the battery guards ready to go. And for those that do not know what the battery guards are, that of course is a Megaware product uh, that reduces the uh, vibration or and absorbs the shock from the batteries taking that pounding in a bass boat. And of course, those can be uh, found along with all of the other products of Megaware at keelguard.com. So certainly be sure to check those out kurt you on the other hand instead of getting ready to rig your boat uh you're probably testing those battery cars <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. on San, sandusky right is, is that where That's you're right. off to yeah we we had a, a change in schedule uh last month um just before we went to wisconsin they told us we were coming to sandusky ohio lake erie so it has been a whirlwind the last few days because they gave us four days of practice out here, which is obviously one more than typical on the national tour level. So, um, like I said, out here on Lake Erie, you put all of it to test, and uh, it's great to have the, the battery cards in the boat. So, But I'm excited. I'm excited, Aaron. Um, really, probably last event for me for several months until my annual trip out to the U.S. Open hopefully continues later on this year and October out in Nevada, but this will be the pro circuit event finale for me. And I'm excited to uh, get out there and catch some more big brown fish and uh, hopefully make a little noise here in this last event. Make a little noise as in change falling into your bank account. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully it's not change. Hopefully maybe it's silent noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dollar yeah, bills yeah. falling into the bank account. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm ready to go, Aaron. Excited about it, and I'm excited about this show. We're gonna talk more smallmouth fishing as this show progresses. But uh, first, we're gonna have an interesting guest, Aaron, in our segment B process of the show this week. But before we get there, we're gonna get another awesome tackle tip brought to us by ProtectTheHarvest.com. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with BASS Elite Series Angler, Buddy Gross. Hey guys, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about a new product that not a lot of people are going to get in the throw right now. And it's a great, great summertime deep water bait and it's called a ledge hog. They comes in three, four, and five inch baits. This one that I like the best all around bait is a four inch bait. It weighs about three ounces and that sounds like a lot, but when you're throwing it in 20, 25 feet of water, this bait gets down to the bottom in about three seconds. So what that does, it makes for long cast. I get to the bottom, I can work it back. I actually do a pull sweep kind of deal, pull it hard, let it fall back, pull it hard, let it fall back. Somewhere on that retrieve on the way back, you're covering 60 yards, 70 yards of water on a ledge and you're covering the whole school instead of getting part of it. So that thing comes through, they bite it on the fall. Usually you pull into them. It has five holes across the top of it. 
front hole runs the deepest, back hole runs the shallowest. So you can actually take a, you know, a three ounce bait and you can wake it if you really wanted to. But the best thing about it is, is if you put it towards the back, you throw it out, let it go to the bottom, you pull it, it'll rise further off the bottom. It'll come up four or five feet off the bottom. If you put it in the front hole, it comes six inches off the bottom. But this bait can be used for like a long line and a crankbait with no need to do that anymore. You can sit in one place, make a cast, reel it across the bottom, or you can spoon it back just like a spoon. It has so many versatile ways to fish it. It's something you got to try. Best tip I can give you is check it out. Excellent tip, buddy. Brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Bassist Nation, as customary, Kurt and I always try to uh, introduce... I guess, the audience to cutting edge, things that we like that make us successful both on and off the water. And today we are pleased to have with us very good angler, Brent Algio, but also uh, innovator, I should say, business owner, entrepreneur. Brent, I don't know how many more titles I can give you, but uh, welcome to Bass Edge Radio. Well, thank you very much, guys. I'm uh, honored to be a part of the show. Uh, I'm honored to be able to, uh, you know, give a product to the community that helps everybody maintain their boats and, and, uh, and beyond that. So thank you very much for having me. Let, let me say real quick, Aaron, that uh, this is the epitome of bass fishing in general, right? You know, you've got an angler. He sees an issue. He wants to conquer the issue. And then we end up with a product that helps all bass fishermen, right? <laughs> Absolutely, Kurt. And, uh, you know, let's dive off into that. And, of course, we're talking about the D- one of the products, which is the Descaler of Pure Clean Solutions that Brent basically came up with. Brent, briefly, if you would, because there is a bit of a story behind this. You know, I said that you're you're an angler. You also own a flooring company. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how you came up with this idea and and kind of where it spawned from? Absolutely. Uh, it was several years ago, um, probably 12, 15 years ago. I uh, was uh, looking at purchasing another company, going into some things where we had a, a long line of sales and distribution of several chemicals and different cleaners, and got a hold of one that I tried, and I was trying to find something to get that white stuff off of our black motors, our boats that. It just doesn't seem like any 
anything will cut it. And if you do find something that will cut it, it's a very harsh chemical. You know, you feel like you have to have a hazmat suit on to use the stuff if you can even find something. And so I, I come across something. We did a little altering to it. We did a little tweaking. I went to the manufacturer. Long story short, Pure Clean was born. I took it and put it in four-ounce sample bottles. I took it to a Central Pro-Am meeting. We always had our meetings on Friday night before the Central Pro-Ams. And the tournament director allowed me to hand these out to all the anglers that were there. I had no idea if this was going to go anywhere. I just said, hey, guys, try this. This is what I want you to do. Give me some feedback. If it works, hey, we may have something. If it doesn't, you know, hey, I tried. And it was unbelievable. I mean, guys were coming to me. They just were blown away. They spray it on there. They wipe it off, and their black motor is black and shiny again. And they're all sitting there waiting for all that haze to come back, the streaking to come back, and it just doesn't come back. It's clean. It's once and done clean. And uh, so that's the story behind the birth of it. Uh, it was literally in my garage at my house. And um, from there, we focused on the boating community, but we've also dove off into several other things as we find new uses for the Pure Clean Descaler as time has went on. Well, so that's, Brent, that's, you know, that's, that's the funny thing is that uh, that's exactly my experience. I think, of course, you and I have known each other for a very long period of time, and, and you walked up to me in the parking lot and handed that to me, and I tried it. And, of course, I'm talking about the calcium deposits around the motor ring that's of where your motor sets right. at water level, and it just builds up. I try to keep my boat clean, but that stuff, it seems like it doesn't matter how much you rub on it, it does not come off. And, you know, taking off with what you said there earlier, and I, Kurt, I know you have problems with this at yeah. the lakes that you fish but you know i've even taken it a step further brent i've used it I, I remember calling you i'm like you know we've got a saltwater pool and on on the stainless steel on uh some of my pool furniture on on windows on on shower even though we're talking about using it in the bass boat market it's just not limited to just that one thing oh absolutely not and you know i've come up with several several other uses for it it's a great product to keep around the house for cleaning your shower you're cleaning different things in the sinks but you know, running it through your coffee maker. People's coffee makers, they start running slow because of the hard water. Lots of people have hard water. They're on wells and may not have a softener. Even if you do have a softener, it doesn't get it all. Running through that coffee maker, you'll be amazed. The list goes on and on, you know, and, and what's neat about this product, since I've owned this for several years now, is I have customers that actually call me. They send me messages, send me pictures. I can't believe that it did this. I can't believe that it did that. So, you know, our social media is filled with testimony from our customers because you know it, it blows me away when actual paying customers send me back feedback and they found another use for it here or there and what's really even you know above and beyond that is this is a certified green product you know the this has been certified by the EPA as a green product so people can clean their boats right on their lifts in the lake once this product becomes about 10 to 1 water to concentrate, it becomes a salt byproduct. So it's absolutely safe for the environment. And um, you know, that's one of the other neat benefits, too, is we, we've got so many different dynamics that, to help people out with that stain, that hard water. Um, it'll also take care of the yellowing, the mud lines, all that stuff, whether it's fiberglass, whether it's plastic, or whether it's uh, you know stainless or aluminum. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really a once and done deal once, you know, to take care of your boat. So, Brent, I want to dive in real quickly. As Aaron mentioned, I, I live down at Lake Amistad, limestone, lots of hard water, water spots all over the motor, gunnel. You get out there on a windy day, your boat dries. You just see it all over the place. What are some of the things, you know, if someone's not maintaining their equipment, what can happen if you just let it go? I mean, you, you see that water. Whites. It's kind of like it's not even like a scum. It's kind of like a buildup of chalk kind of residue. Can that actually right. like eat into stuff? And, and what are the detriments of it? And why is it so important that we keep 
those things clean and use this product to rid the scaling and the calcium from from our, our equipment? Well, that's a great question. And the thing of it is, is the longer you wait, the more that builds up. It builds in layers, it builds in thickness. And if it goes too long, you could be looking at, worst case, uh, you could be looking at a wet staining and a re-waxing of your whole entire boat. You could be looking at permanent stain lines to your jack plates. At the least, you're going to be looking at paying a three to $500 detailing bill for somebody to come detail it, or you're going to be spending all day Saturday and Sunday, you know, buffing it, trying to rewax it and all that stuff that, quite frankly, I'd rather be fishing than cleaning, than cleaning yeah. my clothes. Yeah. So, I figure, you know, I can take this product. I'm going to say it takes about $2 worth of product to clean an entire 21-foot bass boat jack plate and motor. And that, to me, is a very cheap way to keep my boat looking good. And it also avoids that detailing bill, that buffing, that wet sanding, and so on and so forth down the road. And, you know, a lot of people, you've seen people's jack plates on boats that get three, five, seven years old. You start seeing that color differentiation where that water line gets. And, you know, uh, same thing with your talons and talon brackets, power pole brackets. Um, They start getting a discoloration. They start changing colors. They just don't look as good. And I'm not saying Pure Clean Solutions can solve that 100% over the time, but it'll mm-hmm. definitely prolong that. It just keeps your investment looking better. And as we all know, bass boats are kind of a, investment's kind of a bad word because, you know, we, we throw a lot of money. <laughs> as, as time goes on, we all know they depreciate, but I figure the most, the more I can get out of my boat after the time I'm at, you know, the time I keep that boat, you know, that's just more money in my pocket. So anything I can do to preserve that so-called investment to me, that's, it's just a cheap insurance. Sure. You know, I go to the, uh, purecleansolutions.com website. Um, I see the difference that it's made on trolling motors, props, as you said, jack plates, you know, the obvious, you know, motors, gunnels of boats, all that kind of stuff. It's an amazing difference. And it's certainly, it's got to help the performance of all of those, you know, like your props and your trolling motors and that kind of thing as well. Absolutely. And like I said, people are always telling me a different way they use it. I had a a gentleman from a marina the other day. They work on motors. Uh, outboard motors and the uh, the water intakes, the water pickups on some motors have become clogged, yeah. and they literally cycle my pure clean in a five gallon bucket. They re- literally cycle it right through the engine where the water intake is, and it takes the calcium out of those water lines. Um, the guy was looking at a new water pump. He was looking at quite a bit of you know quite a bit of money they were looking at charging this customer to repair this engine. They ran it through there. And uh, they didn't have to even change the water pump. So there's a lot of different things that, you know, that we promote this for and things changing all the time with when customers send me new stuff. And that's why we try to post those on the website. But we do, uh, you know, this Instagram and, and Facebook where we really focus on that type of stuff on our social media. That way people can, you know, take a look at it and see, well, maybe that's the use for me or, you know, that's a use for me over here. So. We, we try to you know, let people know all the diversity of the product. And uh, quickly, Brent, uh, before I have you list the information of where it's available, uh, here we are, August 15th. You doing any fishing? You know, I've been doing a fair amount. Um, it's obviously very hot here in Missouri, and uh, I've been doing a fair amount. And, uh, you know, I, I like it this time of year. It's it's kind of my wheelhouse as far as, you know, trying to do some You're, you're not fishing any brush piles, are you? The high water has definitely changed things this year. It's been interesting. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get out on the water every chance I get. <laughs> 
Well, good stuff. Well, hey, uh, great having you on here. Before we uh, close this down, can you let Bass Edge Nation know where it's available currently? Of course, we said uh, we're going to try and have this on BassEdge.com before too long. But in the event uh, that it's not up, where can they go directly to get additional information and find out how to get this uh, shipped directly to them? You can go to www.purecleansolutions.com. That's P-U-R-K-L-E-E-N solutions.com. We're doing a little bit of work on the website right now, trying to make it even bigger and better every day, and it will continue to grow. And, uh, you know, right through PayPal, right on the website, it's two clicks of a button and you're done. So, and we ship all over the country every day. Awesome stuff. Well, I appreciate you sharing the knowledge of the uh, industry of Pure Clean Solutions and how it can uh, make our lives a whole lot easier. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to move into the next segment of the show, the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This is FLW Tour Angler, Matt Reed. I'm FLW Tour Angler, Pete Pons. I am Bass Pro Tour Angler, Stephen Browning. I am David Dudley, 2019 Angler of the Year. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. In this episode's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, we will take a strong look at dissecting smallmouth waters and finding groups of big fish. None better to discuss this with than the last. 2020 MLF BBT winner from Sturgeon Bay, MLF BBT angler, Justin Lucas is in the house. Thanks for coming back to hang with us on Bass Edge Radio, Justin. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been so long since the first time I was on this show, man. And I can't believe this is what you guys is 330 something episode. <laughs> yeah, 330 yeah, show. That's, that's awesome. Props to you guys. Well, thanks, Justin. But, you know, you saying that, I think, I don't know, you've been on here four times or something. And and as we were talking earlier, it, it dates back to even when you were a co-angler. So Kurt and I pretty much just came to the conclusion that we're really old. So anyway, yeah. I, I appreciate you pointing that <laughs> yeah, out, I'm, Justin. I'm feeling it too. <laughs> well, hey, for those that maybe have not caught up with you on our previous episodes, you're a Cali native. And, you know, certainly that territory of the country comes with the natural power techniques and finesse techniques alike, but not so much you know huge great lake experience how have you learned to adapt and really launch your boat on the big smally waters and start looking for smallmouth well it was definitely a learning curve they're by far to me the most intimidating bodies of water in the united states i mean there's there's just no doubt about it when you launch your boat there and you look at your map and you look out and it looks like an ocean it's hard to decide where to go and you know it's like anything else it's a lot of trial and error especially a lot more error up there you know that that helps you learn but over the years i've just i feel like i've i've learned a lot about how those smallmouth uh how they act how they move 
and they're not complicated. I got a good friend at St. Clair, which is like my least favorite lake on the Great Lakes because there's no structure really to fish. It's all sand and grass which is actually I won this last tournament, but it's my least favorite fish, but my I got a friend up there, and he, I remember him telling me, he's a great smallmouth fisherman, he said, these things are dumb, Justin, you just got to find them. And so I kind of took that to heart. You know, I've, I've kept my bait selection really simple for them, and I spent a lot of time behind the wheel, idling around, just trying to find differences in the structure on the bottom, whether it is grass or rock or sand or, you know, whatever it is. I'm just looking for, you know, abnormalities out there and they love those transition spots and abnormalities out there. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's taken a lot of time to learn it and I'll share some stuff with you guys, but I can't share it all. It's special when you figure it out. So we'll get into some stuff, but I'll just tell you right now, I mean, when you put in as many hours as I have, you know, it's like you just can't give up everything. So <laughs> you got to put in the time. But you're we exactly can get people right. on the right track. Justin, uh, 100%, you're exactly right. And, and we're going to set Bass Edge Nation on a good track today. You know, such an expansive, as you mentioned, you know, amounts of water. It is very intimidating out there. You, know, you mentioned in your win last month some research that helped you kind of dial in a confidence area. Um, obviously, with the MLF BBT format, there's no waypoint gathering. There's there's no big, you know, you can't call your buddy and, and get the best spots that he's been on over the last month and a half and, and those kinds of information. And I thought it was pretty cool because really the quote that I saw from this particular question that, that spawned here was basically just a biological factor of a water system that you were fishing help lead you to an area that, you know, you felt like could be productive. Can you kind of explain how that came about, you know, what you were reading through and perusing and, and kind of led you to that area that produced so many bass at that Sturgeon Bay event? Sure. I mean, you know, obviously you're, you're totally right. We can't get any information whatsoever other than public information online. So I spent, I would say probably three hours, four hours between studying maps, Google Earth and everything, and also just reading whatever article I could find about Door County bass fishing. Uh-huh. And one that really stuck out to me, and it was really just a sentence, was uh, this guy had mentioned that he talked to fish and wildlife guy before, or or they had put this out information out somewhere that there was an estimated like eight to nine thousand smallmouth bass that spawn in Little Sturgeon Bay alone. And when you look at a map, Little Sturgeon Bay is it's just south of Big Sturgeon Bay, maybe four miles, five miles, something like that. And And it is about one-third the size or a quarter of the size of Sturgeon Bay. And I started my practice in a totally different area the first day. And and by about 2 o'clock, I realized I'm not around populations of fish that I need to be around. Because we have a two-pound minimum and because everything counts over two pounds, you've got to be around some good ones and you've got to be around a lot of them. So honestly, that day in practice, my game plan was if this risky stuff out here doesn't pan out, I'm going to Sturgeon Bay. Because if there's that many that spawn in Little Sturgeon Bay, there's no telling how many spawn in Big Sturgeon Bay. (laughs) And I went back there. I went back there that afternoon on the first day of practice. And it's like a ghost town, man. There's no one there. I couldn't believe it. And the first place I pull up on, I catch a couple, like, three and a half pounders. And that's actually where I caught 
the 141 pounds the first day. Uh, everything came off of that one spot, and I didn't know it was going to be that good of a spot. I caught a few three-pounders, saw some other fish down there, but the quality of fish I was catching was what I was looking for. Caught my official uh, PB smallie that day of six, seven, and just numerous four pound plus smallies. And all I did was just go back to the area where I felt like I had the biggest population of fish. And a couple of those spots were rocky points leading out from uh, little spawning bays. But the main area that was so good for me uh, was a big, it's really just a big giant spawning flat. And I knew they were done spawning. I went up shallow and fished around and I didn't even see bed. So I knew they'd been done for a little while and I went out there and just got in about 12 feet of water and I put the trawl motor down and just started fishing around. And oddly enough, it felt like St. Clair, but it was a much, much smaller version of Lake St. Clair, you know, because this flat is only a couple miles by a couple miles. So maybe four square miles or something like that, where St. Clair is just this gigantic place that's hard yeah. to dial in, in my opinion. And uh, I got out there in 12 feet and just started fishing around. And I started seeing these isolated clumps of grass. And I noticed that when I would get to the most isolated one, I kept catching fish off of them and just around them, you know. And I think what they were doing is kind of using them just as, as cover, but as shade. And I think there was quite a bit of bait out there as well. And so the bait was all around those clumps of grass. The fish were all around the clumps of grass. And it held on for the whole entire week. You know, those fish really didn't have anywhere else to go. Once they left there, they were going to go all the way back out to the main lake. But that was a few-mile trek back out there. So it wasn't something that they were going to just do overnight. And I felt like that also gave me the best chance for those fish to last. You know, a lot of these guys talked about fish moving and, you know, leaving the spot where they caught them. I felt like those fish would last, you know, and that they weren't going to move on me. And uh, it was it was the right call. It could have been the wrong call, but it was the right call and just everything lined up perfectly. Well, Justin, you've alluded to this quite a bit already in the, in the short discussion that we've had. For Bass Edge listeners who perhaps are going to a new body of water that's big, that's vast like this, you know, when you are on the water and you're cruising about trying to locate bass, more or less prospecting many types of cover, like you talked about, whether it's sand, rock, grass, depth zones, what advice can you offer to begin to dial in areas of large waterways that you dissect further, kind of like the difference between what you talked about with Little Sturgeon Bay, Big Sturgeon Bay? Can you give some general fundamentals to point people in the right direction? Yeah, I like to spend a lot of time idling around just understanding what the bottom contour looks like uh you know most of the great lakes it's real vast so you're not just going to idle around an area and just see real small stuff like it's going to be stuff that kind of extends further out they're bigger areas so i like to spend a lot of time behind the wheel idling around just getting a feel for what the area looks like where there may be some rock where there might be some sand or grass and then uh, I spend a lot of time on the trolling motor, but moving really fast on the trolling motor. Again, taking to heart what my buddy said, you know, these fish are dumb, Justin. You just got to find them. And it's really the truth. If you guys watch me fish my drop shot at all, I mean, I throw it out there and I let it hit the bottom and I fish it for a few seconds and then I burn it back in so I can make another cast. And 
smallmouth are just so aggressive. If you get that thing close to them on a fall, you know, they're going to come and get it most of the time. And those are the fish I want to be catching. I don't want to be having to drag my bait super slow uh, unless I just absolutely know there is a ton of fish around the area. But most of the time I'm catching a fish on a drop shot and I'm moving fast. I got the trolling motor on 50 or 60 and just trying to cover as much water as possible with a plastic bait, which is kind of odd. You don't really do that with largemouth or even spotted bass, but smallmouth, man, it's a way to find them and catch them that really does work well. One commonality I think we can all agree on, no matter where you go in the country, rocks, smallies, they, they go hand in hand. In this case, you had the grass mixed in. Smallies, you feel like they're similar? They prefer grass like largemouth do? You know, do you feel like they, I don't know about seeking out, but, you know, you talk about isolated clumps, something that's more, you know, kind of better of an ambush. You know, we all know that smallmouth are more of a, a roaming creature, I feel like, than, than a largemouth, whereas a largemouth is a little more homey. So is there something special or a type of grass that you find that's more productive or just a way it kind of sets up that you see when you're trolling motoring around there real fast, like you mentioned, that it's like, okay, this is the type of setup I feel like I would have a better opportunity to catch fish in. You know, I really haven't caught that many smallmouth over the years out of grass, except around St. Clair, uh, some of that short grass over there. This situation was unique because I feel like when I went up shallow and looked for the spawners in practice and they weren't there and I didn't even see any beds, one thing I saw was a lot of gravel up shallow. And so I knew that they had to use that area to spawn. So it gave me a lot of confidence that they used that area. And so as I started to go out deeper, though, it was just sand. And I feel like the grass in this situation, I don't think it mattered. I don't even know what type of grass it was. And I don't think it mattered what kind it was. It was just the fact that it was something on their way out to deeper water. And I think they were using it just as a stopping point from where they spawned, you know, until they move out there to 25, 30 feet and then out to the main lake, you know, because that's where they're going from there. They're eventually here in a few weeks going to be out on the main lake. So I'm not an expert on grass, smallmouth with grass. Most of the time, everything I do is around rock. You know, I try and find just good rocky areas. But this instance, it was just that highway stopping point, And they, they stopped there for a little while. I bet you there's still a few there now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're right. All right, guys, hang tight. We're going to power pole down for a short break. Stay tuned. We'll come back with more from Justin Lucas right after these messages. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lawrence Electronics returns with MLF BPT angler Justin Lucas in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products and now offering hand sanitizer. Be sure to check out BassEdge.com for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Well, Justin, it seems too easy. Idle around and find the rock-grass combo of both and start uh, setting the hook. Is it really that easy or or what challenges do you face out there and, and what rules 
of thumb do you kind of live by to use to overcome them? Well, I think it can be that easy. I think the one thing that's always a factor on the Great Lakes is the wind and also paying attention to the wind before you go out there. Because if you're fishing an area that's just been absolutely pounded by the wind and you go out there, you know, on the next day and it's flat calm, that doesn't mean that, you know, in my opinion, I don't want to be fishing that area because it's such a drastic change so quickly, you know, and it, well, the water's all stirred up. Everything has probably changed in that area for you know, at least a couple days. So I pay a lot of attention before I get there in the direction of the wind, how strong it's blowing. And then I start to, you know, base my game plans off of that. But yeah, I mean, it can be that easy. If you know your, I mean, take Sturgeon Bay, Door County, for example, there are millions of smallmouth bass out there. And they're from one tip to the other. If you go out there and and kind of just follow, you know, you follow these guidelines. If you're not getting bit and you go four hours not getting bit, which happens to me, and I'm totally okay with that because I'm learning as that's happening. You know, I'm learning, hey, this isn't the area I need to be in. But once you find those areas, as long as you keep moving and once you find those areas, you're going to stumble into something. And generally when you stumble into it, it's not just a little tiny area. It's an area that you can expand off of. And what I've learned is they use big areas and they might be on different things in those areas or even at different depths you know it might be an area where they're using it from seven all the way to 22 feet and bait is also something we haven't talked about that's really important and uh on the great lakes owlwives are are a big deal so one of the things i was seeing everywhere i fished where i caught fish that gave me even more confidence they were there for a reason was seeing bait and if you're not seeing bait you know as good as our sonar is these days if you're not seeing bait i would question the area almost right off the bat you know if, if i was living there and i was a smallmouth and it's summertime and i want to be eating some alewives you know do i want to be here because they don't just eat gobies i think gobies are great but they do eat those alewives i had plenty of fish spitting them up this last week and uh you know i think if you can have a mix of gobies alewives crawfish down there uh in some of the rock you're in a, a really good area because you've got a lot of reasons for those smallmouth to be there golden you know and and smallmouth move so much partially because of the whole bait scenario that, that you just referred to it was wild man watching this whole thing go down you know mark daniels jr was crawling up on you you know trying to rip the title from you there and you know he went back to a place where he found some fish previously then went back there twice ghost town right and then he goes back and all of a sudden the fish are back what is the deal you know you talk about smallies aren't the brightest star in the book right and and uh, you know your, your buddy's wisdom back in the day but their movement obviously dictated on bait and it seems so hard to track have you found any predictabilities uh, obviously again i'll go back you just mentioned the bait aspect will you fish an area that you don't graph smallmouth but you just graph bait and just assume they're going to be around the area i mean let's face it sometimes they seem right crazy you know to stay on a spot most of the time when they just cruise off to another locale right yeah i think more than uh, i think the bait it, it's all affected in my opinion for the most part it's really affected by current mm. and i think that the current based off the wind whichever way the wind's blowing they, it moves the current different ways 
but you've always just got to be aware of that. And I'm not so good to say, oh, if it blows this way, they're going here, blah, 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 they're doing this. But they reposition, they set up in a new area or they move, whatever. But that's part of like, I can sit here and tell you everything. But at the end of the day, getting out there and experiencing it yourself and moving around a lot, you know, and trying to finally get in that right area where there's a lot of fish. Because once you find them, you can stay in that area, you know, until it seems like until it changes, you know, until something changes, the wind, the current, whatever. But yeah, I think that the current is the big factor there. It moves the bait. It moves the water temperature as well. Big winds on the Great Lakes change water temperature drastically. And uh, I think that that's a, a big reason why the bait moves. And then the fish, the smallmouth move with them, you know, and they, they go somewhere new. So if it's a ghost town down there, don't sit there and force it. I mean, there was one area I went, I thought I was going to catch them in the tournament. I went through the third period on the qualifying round on day two, and I was just kind of checking it. And I was expecting to get bit. And I fished 15 places and never got a bite. And it was on the main lake. I had been bit off every single one of those spots in practice. And three, four days later, it's totally different because the wind had shifted directions. The current had changed. And those fish were gone. It was an absolute ghost town. And I'm not going to sit there and try and force a bite in a ghost town, man, because you're going to have a long day and you're not going to be getting bit. That's good information there. And, you know, I guess my opinion, I'll phrase it like that, that, you know, the standard techniques Justin used for smallie fishing in the summertime is, like I said, in my opinion, it's, it's kind of boring. Usually seven out of 10 will be drops shotting something. Are, are there variations of that particular setup that you have seen differences, you know, for your success? And, and then also I'll, I'll add in there, what's kind of the deal with that flatworm? It seems to be ultra effective. Yeah, so for two years now, that flatworm has just been insanely good. Uh, I finished second on it at the St. Lawrence River a couple of years ago, had 95 pounds for four days in a five-fish limit gasoline tournament. And then uh, Josh Burcham won that one. He was throwing gold and max scent. But that was the summer it came out, and we've been throwing it ever since. And they're just, in my opinion right now, there's not another bait I will even put on my drop shot rig because of how good that is. I've fished next to guys that aren't throwing it and literally watch them take their hats off their heads, scratching their heads, trying to figure out what's going on because <laughs> I'm catching so many compared to them. I'm not kidding either. That, that is the truth. Anyway, on the drop shot, it can be boring, but it's a lot of fun catching four and five pound smallmouth <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you're doing it. So uh, it gets a little old, I guess, after a week of doing it. You might be like, yeah, okay, I can go do something else now. Uh, but really the only changes I make, I, I always have just like a 12 inch to 16 inch leader. I'm not super picky on that, you know, 12 to 18 inches. I don't care. Somewhere in there. I don't think that matters at all. I think the main thing is just if it's windy, you know, if it's real windy and I'm fishing deeper water, I'll go up to a half ounce. If it's, you know, just kind of a little bumpy and semi-deep water, three-eighths ounce. And if it's calm and I'm fishing 20 feet or shallower, if it's calm, I'm going to throw like a five-sixteenths or even quarter ounce. I think the weight size really affects the action of the bait, and I think you get more bites, kind of using like the lightest weight you can get away with based on the conditions. Yeah. How about uh, weight design? Do you think it makes a big difference with the slim weights versus the bell style weights? No, I just use a teardrop weight, but 
I think you could use a round weight. I, I wouldn't want to use a cylinder weight. I think those are best around heavy grass and cover mainly for like large mouth. But right. um, yeah, everything I do out there is all teardrop and round weights. Okay. And then, you know, I got to mention that you're probably one of the first guys that I remember seeing using the high-vis braid, you know, the yellows, those high-vis braids. Tell the listeners, after these several years of now using that style of line, what are you finding as advantages for it, and how much does a difference make in your productivity? Yeah, it's just, uh, I know where my bait is at at all times. I use a white, it's a crystal braid. It's Berkeley X5. I use eight pounds and uh, I just want to be able to see my line. You know, I want to know, follow it down, watch it hit the bottom, know it's on the bottom. I don't want to waste five or 10 seconds trying to figure out if my line's on the bottom or not every single cast. That low vis green stuff, and if it's real thin, it can be just a nightmare to try and see out there in the middle of nowhere. So I use the crystal braid. And then I only use like seven foot liter, fluorocarbon liter. Some guys are like, ah, 10, 12. If it was crystal clear water, I might go 10, but for the most part, six, seven, eight feet. And uh, I just, I always use eight pound, 100% fluorocarbon. There's some guys that swear by six, but man, those zebra mussels and just all the, you know, all the rocks and stuff down there. I, I don't really want to take a, take a chance on six. Those fish are so mean. Risky I want to be able to use eight. Yeah, I, I've always just used eight. I never go down to six. Put a little more pressure on them. Show them who's boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Justin, before Kurt takes us off into the listener question, uh, you know, time is flying by. You packed a lot of information into this episode. Is there anything, you know, that you think that we missed that would better Bass Edge Nation, you know, help them kind of step into a, another level of their smallmouth fishing that we didn't focus on? No, I think you just need to keep your bait selection really simple and take to heart the same thing I did. You know, that they're not that smart and they are a, an aggressive fish. I mean, in my opinion, they're they're like little sharks because like that max scent, you know, it leaves off, basically it leaves off the scent trail. It's like almost like chum out there. And these fish are smelling it, coming to find it, and it truly does make a difference. If, if you want to be a good smallmouth bass fisherman right now, use only max scent, in my opinion. Go put on a drop shot and just get out there and start moving around quick, idling around, understanding what the bottom looks like, and uh, just trying to cover as much water as you can until you find them, and then you can slow down. Great advice. All right, Justin, we're going to move into the listener question segment presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Zachary Rockefeller sent this in. This actually was a question he sent in back in April and I missed it, but I figured, you know, we're in the middle of summer. We've talked about some ledge fishing the last couple episodes, deep water fishing. Now we we've really dove into the smallmouth expertise of everything that you're been been able to provide us today. So why not just throw a little curveball? When is the proper time to fish a floating worm and what should Zach look for when fishing it? I'm not the best floating worm fisherman, but that is a, it is a great bait in dirtier water, you know, kind of tannic kind of colored water when they, when they move up into the shallow stuff to spawn. I've got my butt kicked by it a bunch of times. I've seen it happen. I've caught some fish on it. caught some fish on it at Lake Fork this year. But man, when they're in that little bit dirtier water and they're up there and they're spawning or moving up to spawn and you know you're fishing over the top of their beds and stuff, uh, jerking that thing around in front of them. 
can be absolutely deadly. And it really seems like those like flat, calm, cloudy days are the, are the best for it. And Justin, just so that we kind of understand a little bit more, is what's your preferred way to rig a floating worm? You see some of them rig kind of Texas style with a little bend and kind of has a, a little darting action. You see some guys hooking the worm in the egg sack and, and more of a wacky style presentation. What's your preference and how do you think it is best utilized? Yeah, I like, uh, you know, I just like putting it on a Texas rig, like a three-aught hook, Texas rig without a weight. I run a little leader to a swivel and just kind of use that swivel up the line about 12 inches as the weight to keep that bait down. And then, yeah, I'm just switching it around, getting it to dart side to side a little bit and uh, just use, I mean, that methylate, you know, bright orange color is really hard to beat. It amazes me, Justin, of, you know, like the methylate or the, or the sherbet, you know, it's like, what in the world is this thing supposed to resemble? Cause I have no <laughs> idea, <laughs> so, you know, so, well, Justin, certainly appreciate you helping Zachary out with that question. And Zachary, thank you for sending in the question. One more thing that we need from you and that is to log on to BassEdge.com, click the claim your prize tab. Let us know that you heard Justin answer your question on episode 334, fill out the information and we will ship the Bass Edge gift directly to you. And as a continued reminder, to all Bass Edge Nation. Keep firing in those questions. Zach, sorry it took me so long to get to yours, but uh, we finally caught up to it. And <laughs> But uh, send in those questions to our website, BassEdge.com, or you can just simply shoot us an email, support at BassEdge.com. Have your question answered on the show. Aaron's going to send you a nice gift from the episode. Well, Justin, uh, always great having you on Bass Edge. Uh, we love uh, following your development and your career, and, and you're certainly always heavy on the education which is what we love any final thoughts or uh, ideas before we shut down no i'm i'm good guys i appreciate you having me on it's fun to talk about smallmouth I, I really do enjoy them and uh, even though i live in alabama i make a trip up north every year whether we have a tournament or not just to expand my knowledge book a little bit more and uh, of course it never sucks having a five pound small we pull on the end of your life <laughs> they, they are a blast they should be on everybody's bucket list yeah if people have not experienced Experienced it. Do not wait. All of us that have been there go back again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Justin. Well, thanks for being on the show. Look forward to catching up again in the future sometime. Y'all hold on tight. Aaron and I are going to be back right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. 
Kurt, I love having repeat guests on our episode to see how they mature, they evolve. Uh, Justin is kind of one of those special people just because we started, you know, hanging with him when he was still on the co-angler side. Yeah, it's been a long time that uh, he's kind of had a, a cool little spotlight in the sport and been able to do some great branding outside of winning, <laughs> winning tournaments, uh, two Elite Series wins. Pretty sure he had FLW wins before he went to the Elite Series. Now he grabs the MLF BBT uh, Red Trophy at Sturgeon Bay. So, um, you know, I, I say quietly, but dude, dude hasn't done anything quietly. He's just winning. He's just winning consistently throughout the years. And what's cool about Justin is that he's winning on different styles of fisheries. I mean, now he's got the Sturgeon Bay win. He's got a Potomac River win. He's got a Cal Delta win. Dude's got it all, that's man. That, that's stout, he's man. Not, he's not many holes inside Justin Lucas's game. <laughs> no, no. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, he was there with his two-year-old during the interview. Yeah, you know, he, cool. he he knows where his priorities are. And certainly uh, he's, he's set those or established those priorities within his, his fishing and the, and the result to prove it. So fantastic episode. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. When he, he's breaking it down for you. I like, you know, when he started talking about current, you know, it's not something a lot of people think about on the Great Lakes. And, and there is a ton of current on the Great Lakes. So a lot of those things have, have impacts that oftentimes anglers aren't thinking about all of the variables that actually occur. And, and then just the fact that, you know, just perusing regular research, doing his due diligence on the internet, reading the public information that's out there, and then capitalizing on some biological information that's going on on, on a particular fishery. I thought that was really cool as well. Yeah. The great ones always have their antennas up. That's one of the things that, mm -hmm. that is the common denominator amongst amongst all of these guys. So anyway, we have officially came to the end of, hard to believe, Kurt, 334 episodes and and now we're heading into September. I certainly look forward to September 1st and certainly look forward to hanging out with all of our Bass Edge Nation friends, whether it's through our social media where you can stay on top of everything Bass Edge or certainly through BassEdge.com where the articles, the videos, and of course, BassEdge.com store. In the meantime, we look forward to it and uh, wish everybody a great couple weeks and be well, stay safe out there. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 